And so if you had to guess what the message would be about today, what would y'all thought? Prayer. Yeah, so you got to pray. And so today, um, it is my intention, I believe it is the Holy Spirit of God's intention that we actually finish the book of Ephesians today. And uh, uh, I'm thinking, now again, it's best I can do, and what I've been studying, what I've been praying, I'm thinking we're jumping into Luke maybe next week. But we're finishing the book of Ephesians, I think, today. That's, that's the intent, and that's what the outline goes to. So let's see what we can do on that. So the, the final time I give you the synopsis on the outline, um, you guys remember in the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul wrote it, right? Where did Apostle Paul write the book of Ephesians from, y'all? From jail, right? For preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so uh, God had him chained up in jail, and he could have been pretty bummed. He could have spent all his time fighting his imprisonment that was wrong. But instead, he saw it from God's perspective and said, man, as much as I don't like it, I am a prisoner in chains. And it's not the Roman government that's put me in jail. It is God Almighty that's allowed me to be in jail. And in fact, in the book of Philippians, he says, God had to slow me down and chain me to some soldiers so that I could write these books that I'm supposed to write. In fact, in there, he wrote Ephesians, he wrote uh, uh, Philippians, he wrote Colossians, and, and he also wrote Philemon. And so how many of y'all are grateful that we have those books? Do you understand God had to get Paul arrested for preaching the gospel, chain him to Roman soldiers in order to slow him down, because otherwise Paul would have been on another missionary trip. So, man, don't miss what God has for you. And so as he's reading in or as he's writing the book of Ephesians, what he tells us, he starts off by saying, man, you are wealthy beyond measure. You have all the spiritual blessings you could ever want that you could ever need. You are wealthy. And and he first the first three chapters, man, he uh, he tells us about that wealth. Then in chapters four and five, um, he tells us. If you have this wealth, you should walk in the wealth. And um, so, so he goes on to, to say, here's your, your bucket of wealth. Here's all the things that you have, everything that you have. Now he says, I want you to walk in it. And yeah, it seems like a little narrow bucket to walk in. I mean, this doesn't seem like a lot of room, does it, Ethan? All right, good, man. I got my, I got my uh, 11-year-old up here again, right? Yes. All right. And uh, good, because uh, if, you're, if you're 11 or older, you should be up here and not down in the kids, all right? That's just kind of kind of the way it is. And I want, I'd love for you to be up here because, man, then I at least have somebody to preach to I can ask questions to. Because see, Terry moved back, right? You see that? No. <laughs> but anyways, um, so again, he says, here's all your wealth. Man, there's a spigot coming from heaven and anything you could ever desire, need, want. Um, man, it's there and God gets to choose what it is. And we went through all of that. But now he says, walk in this wealth. But sometimes when you walk in this wealth, man, you, God's got you tight. You're not going to have any need, but we have this tendency to see this wide open world, this part of our enemy. We, our enemy is Satan, and he's created this world system that's going to be destroyed. Go read the book of Revelation. It's going to be destroyed. And if you're sad about that, it's because maybe you love the world, but it's going to be destroyed, and he's going to create a new one. But we have this, so we have the enemy of Satan. We have this world system he created, and we have a flesh. This flesh nature desires what we desire and what we want, not what God wants. That's why he says, keep getting in that bucket. Because we see this out here, and sometimes we have a tendency to, to go out and, and go out in the world and get away from God. Anybody ever do that? Anybody? Come on, man. Yeah, oh, you know you've done it, right? How, how many of y'all have ever done this? How many of you said, well, I ain't going very far? <laughs> 
And that, that's what we sort of see, right? Isn't that the way we look at ourselves? Yeah, well, I, my foot's never out, but here, here I am. But you're out. He says, get in the bucket, man. You have all this wealth. Walk in it. That's the advantage of being a believer. Walk in this wealth. And I made it kind of narrow. So, so you don't have a lot of options, but it'll blow you away as to what they are. So he says, man, here's your wealth. He said, walk in it, but when you walk in the wealth that he's given you, what are you sure to encounter that he brings up in chapter 6? Warfare. He said, you have wealth, tremendous amount of wealth. The enemy doesn't like it. He's got an eternity. It's secure. Man, God picked you. The Holy Spirit, uh, Christ purchased you, and the Holy Spirit's protecting you. Man, you have this wealth. Walk in it, and if you walk in it, you're going to get warfare. So if you are out of this bucket, and you're his. When you decide to come back in, when you decide to walk with him, what can you expect? Warfare. Because the devil would love for a bunch of Christians to be out here. And everybody think this is what Christianity is. When it's not. And, 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 and once you decide to go back and show what following Christ really is, man, he wants to make you pay. But as JJ said, God does the testing the devil does the tempting, and we do the trusting. Y'all got that? You've heard it many times. Help me out with this. God does the testing. The devil does the... And we do the trusting. And so, again, every situation coming into our life has to get permission from God to be there, right? You know that? Man, you ever have to get permission, like, from your parents to go do something? Yeah, and, uh, and it'd be disobedience, right? God's in charge of everything, and anything coming in your life, Ethan, has to get permission from God. So the devil sometimes is like, hey, let me have permission to do this. Let me have per-. And God says, yeah, you know what? I'm going to give Pastor Eddie this test. And, and the test is to show him where, where, your, where our faith is. When I get a test, it's to show me where my faith is. Because sometimes we don't even think about our faith. Sometimes we think it's more than what it is. Sometimes we, we have been doing great in our faith, and we're walking with him, and we're like, yes, yes, yes. Isn't that a great place to be? And God says, I know when to rest you. I know when to test you. And guess what? I want to take you to another level. As Emily prayed, sometimes we don't want to go to that level, at least not today, right? But God says, I want to test you, and I want you to see that your little mustard seed can still grow a whole lot more. Amen? So you've never arrived. And God says, man, and and so when we pass this test, we become more like him. And that's a good way to be. And if you don't want to do that, then you don't really want to go to heaven because in heaven you're going to be like him. And I know you will. But the point is, is that that's what he's trying to do with every single test. So he says, man, you've got this wealth, walk in it, but know there's going to be warfare. And we spent a great deal of time talking about that spiritual warfare. And he says at the very beginning of it, stand strong in the power of his what? Might. He has your spiritual wealth is his might. Everything he can do, everything that he is, is yours in Christ. As long as you're in Christ. And so the place to be is in his might. He doesn't say stand strong out here and get pelted and try to take it for the team. No. He said, you find yourself out here getting pelted. Get back in his might. Stay in that might. And, and, and he says, from there, that's where you find the armor of God. And you guys remember from the very first one about, about girding your loins. And y'all, y'all gird your loins today? Anybody gird your loins today? Chuck, did you gird? You gird Marley, did you watch Chuck gird his loins today? No, you didn't want to see that. I stirred up things in your mind. No, we're supposed to gird our loins with the what? The truth. 
Make a commitment to live according to the truth. And that's that first part. I'm going to live by the truth today. Hey, how do you do that? You do it by prayer, right? How am I going to make a commitment to God that I'm going to live by the truth? I'm going to do it through prayer. Then we have the breastplate of righteousness, which covers your guts, which is your emotions and your feelings. And, we, and it covers your heart, which is your desires. And, 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 then, uh, and, and so in that, Sometimes your heart, your desires, and your emotions want to hijack your commitment to live in the truth. Anybody ever have that happen? I'm going to live for the truth. Oh, but look, oh, you know, you got to put on that breastplate, right? How do you put on that breastplate of righteousness, man? You're in a constant state of prayer with God. I'm not talking about on your knees, on your face. I'm talking about living in a God consciousness. Don't let anything disturb that God consciousness. Anything get in the way. I'm going to live for God. So if you're going to live for God and you're not as smart as God and not as infinite as God, you better stay in touch with God. That's what we're going to learn in the book of Luke that Jesus did. And so, man, when you're in touch with God and your emotions are like, oh, you're like, God's like, nope, nope, nope. But if you're listening, you're like, okay, you're right. I'm putting away my emotions, my feelings. I'm not following my feelings. I'm not going to follow my heart. Oh, isn't that the garbage the world tells you? Oh, follow your heart. No, Jeremiah said it's the most wicked, deceiving thing in the entire universe next to your head and your guts. I'm just saying. And so that's why it's always protected in there. So then he goes on, says, man, put, have shoes on. Shoes that are cleats that gives you traction like surfboard wax. Oh, no, surfboard. What happens if you try to ride a surfboard with no wax, bro? You slide. What happens if you try to play football? If the Eagles, man, they're going to try. They're going to have a comeback today, right, bro? I don't want to bring up bad, bad things, you know, but as, a, as an old school Dolphins person, I'm kind of glad they lost. But, <laughs> but man, they came out there playing in slippers today. What's going to happen? They're going to get pushed all over the field. And you will if you don't know that you have already made peace with God. When you are a believer, you came in this world as an enemy to God and you gave your life to him and he made peace. The sacrifice Christ performed made peace eternal peace between you and almighty God where you do not have to suffer his wrath hey Benjamin is there anything to take that away nothing nothing can take that away and that's the shoes it gives us traction no I'm not getting pushed back to believe that I'm not God's child and then he goes on and says man you got to take that so so how do you do that when you're sliding around do you really put on cleats to like oh this will remind no how do you do it guys you pray, God, remind me I'm your child. God, show me I'm your child. Go into his word, the word of God in prayer, your most valuable assets, most valuable weapons. No wonder Satan fights so hard when you're trying to pray and read his word. No wonder he's offered so many substitutes in his world system to, to, so you will not have intimate prayer with God Almighty and intimate fellowship with him in his word. He wants that. You need it. You got to pray. So, man, you're in there, and all of a sudden, anybody, anybody been walking with the Lord, and all of a sudden you're getting pelted? Yeah, that pelting, man. Again, that's by God's design. You put up the shield of faith. The shield of faith are promises God has. And in there, while you're getting pelted and you have doubts as those fiery darts are shooting in and, 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 and hitting the shield. You're like, God, help me believe your promise is going to work. Please, God, help me understand that your way is the right way. God, this makes no sense. Everybody in this wretched world is telling me to do something else, but God, I'm going to do it your way. God's way is counterintuitive. You ever had anybody tell you, don't listen to God? Dude, that's old. That ain't, that's not going to work. 
You can't do that. This is the way people operate in 2022. So if you want to be like all of them, go ahead and do it that way. It is 2022 still, right? Okay, good. I had to check my watch. <laughs> but anyways, no, God, God, please help me. You pray. God, help me trust your word. You stay in constant contact. Both Peter and James quoted Proverbs when they said you'll have perfect peace. Perfect peace when you stay focused on him. But the minute you start looking at your circumstances, the minute you start mastering the earthly outlook as opposed to the heavenly uplook, that's when you lose your peace. And what do you have to do to get that peace back, y'all? Pray. That's the umbilical cord between you and God, as we're going to see in the book of, in, in, in the book of uh, Luke. Man, the perfect man had perfect communication with God Almighty. We, and we're going to find out he wants you. Pr- hey, how, how often, any of y'all know about babies and neonatal, you know, natal stuff? I, I, do you know anything about babies? And, and uh, yeah, yeah. How often does that baby need to be connected to that umbilical cord? Yeah, well, it's in there. I mean, you can't, does baby just like, is it like, you know, like a, a little third line? You know, like, I'm sorry, I don't know where it's all. Yeah, it's attached, right? That's what your belly button is, right? I'm just saying, how often does that baby need to be attached? What happens if it's not? It dies. It dies. You understand that's what happens to us spiritually. Dude, when you disconnect from that umbilical cord in prayer to God, and you're going to see, well, aren't you being a little ridiculous? i got to live my life. But you know what? I didn't say it. Apostle Paul said it. He said, pray always. And he said it a lot. And again, that means you stay in constant contact with God Almighty. Amen? Dude, like a baby needs that umbilical cord, you need God. It's your nutrients. It's your everything. And yeah, I was trying to explain that to Keone, but he didn't get it. You might have a conversation with him later about umbilical cords. <laughs> Dude, really? Right there? I'm like, yeah, you got a ninny. That's a cool one, man. No, but... But it's, that's it. So in this, he says, man, put up, the, put up the, the, the shield of faith. God, I'm getting darts fired at me. Give me scripture. Give me comfort. God, let me know you're alive. Give me encouragement to know your plan is right. That this is the good, that this is it. I don't have to step out of this bucket to be saved. And fight off the fiery darts of the devil. He says, then, man, have that helmet of salvation. Oh, man, because, again, we talked about this for, for weeks, about the helmet of salvation, that, that if that devil can get in your head, never mind the devil, how about you getting in your own head? <laughs> you're, you're your worst enemy, and you get in your own head, and your thoughts, you make mountains out of molehills. In fact, that's why in the book of Romans, we're told to renew our mind. Because our mind gets old. (laughs) And I'm not talking age-wise. Man, anybody's mind gets old. As soon as you start looking out here, as soon as you get out here, you get into the Word of God and you can't read the Word of God without praying. And as you're praying and reading the Word of God, He's renewing your mind and you realize that this is the best place to be and it's foolish to be anywhere else except in God's might, in constant contact with Him. And so you fight off discouragement and depression and you fight off distraction. And you know, that's kind of, you know me. Y'all know I got a little ADDHD, DH, whatever. I got a little tendency, don't I? So where do you think God, the devil's going to attack me? <laughs> that's why I need your prayers, man. Because I get a, woo, 
I think different than you. You should see my artwork I did back before I got saved. I'm just saying. Dude, so, man, I covet your prayers. Thank you for those prayers. Thanks for praying while I'm preaching. <laughs> I can get back on track, right? But, man, I'm just saying, you got to fight your mind with prayer. Let God be in your mind. How many things can you, Marley, how many things can you think of at one time? One time. Do you think you can think of two things at one time? You think you can think of three? Four? You think you only think of one? Oh, no, no. I bet you can't even think of two because you know what? You guys, God made us so we can only think of one. You might be able to switch back and forth. But you can only think of one thing at, at a time. So if you're thinking about the right thing, what are you not thinking about? The wrong thing. That's why, man, the helmet of salvation, how do you get there? How do you apply it? How do you use it? Yes, you have the word of God you put in your heart, but you pray and you talk to him. You have fellowship like that umbilical cord. You're connected to him in there. And he talks about the sword of the spirit because while you're in the bucket, dude, he doesn't want you to stand in there hiding behind a shield. You got a Machaira sword. That's not a big broad sword. You're just swinging around, throwing at things. It's like a, it's a fine dagger that you're using to defend yourself and you're using it to fight the enemy's kingdom. You're fighting with it. You're fighting lies with the truth, not only for you, but for other people also. So you've got to become skilled with that sword. And how you become skilled is you get into the word of God and you read the word of God with prayer. Prayer is how you do it. God, speak to me. God, show me how to apply this. God, show me how this is relevant for me right now. And then that's now where Paul went through all of this. You have all this wealth. Walk in it. You're going to have warfare. And dude, I'm going to grow you in this warfare. You're going to become a mighty soldier of God. But he ends the book with saying, everybody read this title again. You got to... Now let's make it personal. Brad, what do you got to do? Say, I got to pray. Say, say it louder. All right, Chris, what do you got to do? I got to pray. Gary, come on, man. What do you got to do? You got to pray. Terry, what do you got to do? I got to pray. Man, you got to tell yourself. You got to tell yourself. Man, when you find yourself out of the bucket, when you find yourself in the bucket fighting, you got to say, I got to pray. That's what the Apostle Paul, how he ends the book of Ephesians. You're going to use the wealth. You're going to walk in the wealth. You're going to have warfare. You got to pray if you're going to be more like God in all of this. So check this out. One, he says, pray for yourself. Oh, wait a minute. You know what? There is this erroneous thing going around in Christianity. Oh, I can't pray for myself. I, I have people tell me sometimes, like it's super spiritual. Oh, I never pray for myself. I'm like, stay over there until you do. <laughs> pray for yourself. Where did that come from that you don't pray for yourself? That's straight out of the pit of hell. You pray for yourself, but don't, don't only make it pray for yourself. When do you pray for yourself? When you're in that, yeah, always, when you're in that battle, when you need to apply the armor of God, you're praying for yourself to put on that armor, to be encouraged by that armor that we have seen. So look what he goes on to say in Ephesians 6, 18. He says, praying when? <laughs> yeah. How many of y'all are praying right now? I'm just saying. But 
Pray, and it doesn't mean, oh, well, I can't do what Marty just said. I can't think of one thing at one time, so if I'm busy praying, I can't be listening, and I can't, oh, hey, teacher at school, I, 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 you know what? My pastor said I'm supposed to pray at all times, so I'm not listening to you. Hey, boss at work, you know what? I'm kind of taking a break, and I'm going to pray because I can't do two things at once. Well, yes, you can. You stay in a constant state of spiritual consciousness with God Almighty. You see life from his perspective. Y'all seen that before? (laughs) Life from his perspective. Man, good things come. Who are you thinking about? God. Tough things come. Who are you thinking about? God. Just mundane things. That's kind of the tough part sometimes, right? Just walking through life. Dum-de-dum-de-dum-de-dum. And we get down these little trails. Man, no. Those mundane things are by God, if that's what you're supposed to be doing. Man, You know what makes your job important? You know what makes your walk important? The fact that God gave it to you. There's no occupation any better than the other occupation. No no trail, no path better than the other path. Whatever path God puts you on, but our pride wants this prestige. Oh, I worked hard and got all the way to here. And then now I'm down to here. And now I'm, well, who put you there? God Almighty. And it might have been through your stupid decisions, all right? I'm just saying, But the fact is, God allowed it, and God allowed it all to happen. And so God's got you there. You wouldn't be there as his child if he didn't give permission to whoever, whatever, to allow you to be in that position. And that's why you see it from life, from God's perspective. you got to see it from his perspective, wherever you're at. And so if it is foolish decisions, yeah, you're going to suffer consequences from that. So learn from those. As a dog returns to his vomit, a fool returns to his folly. You know, I'm going to have to go through the whole example to Duke the dog again, do I really? Where Duke ate the roadkill and like, oh, bleh. And then Duke's like, oh, I'm never going to do that again. Oh, my. You know, that don't look so bad. I think I'm only going to eat this part and it won't make me sick. Blah, 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 blah. Bleh. That's our life. Man, learn from that. So wherever you're at in life, see it from God's perspective. Whether it's good, bad, and different, whatever it is, man, it's like you've got to see it from his perspective. Praying at all times, whatever you are doing at that point in time, man, you're in constant fellowship with God Almighty. Hey, how often has that umbilical cord got to be attached to the baby? How often you got to be attached to that? All the time. All the time. In fact, what happens, man, I've been there during delivery and stuff, you know, I mean, I'm actually in there, I'm as a pastor, I really don't want to be in there as a, I'm out out kind of praying with the family, but what happens, man, in delivery when that umbilical cord gets kind of wrapped around stuff? Dude, that's dangerous, isn't it? Yeah, because oxygen and stuff gets cut off and things get strangulated, and so again, dude, anything goes wrong, that umbilical cord is crucial And we're relating that to what? Prayer. That's your contact with it. Don't let anything get between you and praying with God Almighty. So, man, praying, when did he say? And in the Spirit. That's no magic potion, whatever. In fact, the dude who just go read the New Testament. You know, praying in the Spirit is. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago out of Romans chapter 8, where, and JJ mentioned it again today where you have the Holy Spirit of God living in you, and you don't even know what to pray about sometimes. You don't even know how what God's will. The Holy Spirit will take your desires and lift them to God in a way 
that they're according to God's will. Uh, what is it? First uh, John, First uh, John, oh, one. Help me out. No, 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 not one, not one. Uh, where it says, uh, oh, it says here's. Listen, y'all, y'all, look it up for me. Help me out with this. First John. I know it's in First John, and um, he he says, and this is the confidence we have. Anybody know where that's at? Look it up. This is the confidence we have that if we pray anything according to his will, he hears us. And if he hears us, he gives us what we ask for. But it goes back to according to his will. It goes back to Romans chapter 8 of praying in the Spirit. You know what praying in the Spirit is? Praying in, if y'all find that address. Woo! There it is. I knew 513 because that used to be part of the sharing the gospel, you know, and we know that, you know. But anyways, yeah, so First John what? five. 14. Yeah. And again, so praying in the Spirit is the, if you're praying in the Spirit, where's your prayer coming from? From God. If you're a baby and you're in your mom, where's the nutrients coming from? Mom. It's the umbilical cord. Man, God's giving you the prayers. And it might not be that way because he's got to like kind of swim through some flesh, doesn't he? And I'm not referring back to the placenta and all that. I'm just saying, dude, God's got to go through some flesh in our, uh, to get through our flesh, through our desires, through our thoughts, through our feelings, to bring us back to reality. And so in that, praying at all times in the Spirit and praying in the Spirit is getting your prayer from God. You get, you're walking in that God consciousness, getting your prayer from God because you're just walking with him. You're seeing it from his perspective. He's showing you how to pray, showing you what to pray for. And you're praying always that way. So when is it that we get to take a break from that? You don't. When, when you gave your life to Christ, how much did you give? Yeah, so how much of it does he have? He has all of it. And so here you are. The minute you find yourself out of his bucket of might, you get yourself back in. Praying at all times in the Spirit with, look at this, with all prayer. <laughs> look at these alls in here. In fact, there's four in this whole verse or whatever. Praying at all times and all prayer. Hey, so is it okay to pray quietly inside? Hey, uh, Pickleball Ralph, is it okay to play, pray like silently to yourself? Yeah, it's okay to do that. Is it okay to, for us to pray publicly? Is it okay to pray crying? Is it okay to pray, man, with joy? Is it, it's okay. He says all prayer. We have quiet prayers. We have loud prayers, you know? All my prayers aren't loud prayers, y'all. I'm just saying some of them are very quiet inside while I'm paddleboarding or I'm paddling and I'm thinking, man, I'm with God. Loud prayers, quiet prayers, public prayers, private prayers, sitting prayers, standing prayers. How about shotgun prayers? Nehemiah, dude, he's my famous, he's my favorite shotgun prayer. Y'all remember Nehemiah was a cupbearer and uh, had a great job, dude. He, he, for the king of Persia, he, he, was, he basically took whatever the food and drink was that the king had, and he drank it to make sure no one was, po- and ate it, make sure nobody was poisoning the king, right? Trent, what a great job. Because if it happens to go awry and it was poison, well, dude, he's, it's over. You don't need another job. You're done. <laughs> and God put him in that job. So while he's there, dude, he's just chowing and drinking on the best stuff. And it was a coveted job people wanted. You live in the palace. And many people were slaves who were Israelites. And, and, and destitute. He had a great job. And he could not be found frowning around the king. He could not be found. He had to just, dude, 
He had to be in a good mood. Has there ever been a time in your house where somebody, moms, maybe not really, you know, and you have to really, like, you don't want to upset anybody? Ever time? Yeah, in my house too, dude. There's some times where, you know, eggshells, dude, we're walking on eggshells. You don't ever upset anybody because, oh, dude, it could mess up. Not really your mom, probably. It's probably one of your brothers or sisters, right? Yeah, I'm trying to get him in trouble here. But, yeah. That's the way working for the king was, dude, on eggshells, man. On eggshells, you were just, you had to look happy whether you were or not. But you remember the very beginning, some people came from Jerusalem, and his heart was in Jerusalem, because that's where God put it, even though he was in a cushy job. And he said, how's everything in Jerusalem? And they were like, man, there's no walls. There's no protection. So without protection, we can't make any progress. And spiritually, physically, anyway. And Nehemiah's heart was broken. Man, it was broken. And he had this desire inside to fix the walls of Jerusalem, but yet he had a cushy job. And if he ever got fired, he got, that was how it worked. So how, God, are you going to work this out that I get to do this in Jerusalem? Because I know it's what you want me to do. So the whole time, he's sitting there and he's preparing. He's thinking, if I get to rebuild the walls, what am I going to do? How much wood am I going to need? How much time? How much all of this? And all of a sudden, one day, the king said, hey, Nehemiah, what's wrong? Uh-oh. <laughs> and he fired up a shotgun prayer. God, help me. Anybody ever fire up a shotgun prayer? God, help me. Kathy, did you fire up a shotgun prayer? Sorry to bring up bullets again, but I'm just saying. A shotgun prayer in South Korea. Good thing it wasn't North Korea. That's the bad one, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, good thing. Otherwise, we would really... A shotgun prayer. Dude, he's like, God, I need to answer. He just gave me the question, and I need to answer. Boom. Here's my prayer. God, help. Anybody? Benjamin, you ever have any shotgun prayers? Yes, sometimes, dude, you're a sniper on a man practicing, you know, I mean, you're just, it's pinpoint rifle shots with God. And we are supposed to pray, pray specifically, right? But sometimes we need a shotgun prayer. You don't know what you need. You just need something. You need God Almighty, and you're just, boom, God help. That's okay, right? Nehemiah, go read Nehemiah. What a great story. God brought that up for some reason. I don't know why. Maybe if you have an application for it, go for it. But I'm just telling you, it was a God help. And God, he had an answer for the king. And the king said, well, what do you need? And he whipped out his pocket scroll and said, as a matter of fact, I need this, this. King said, was in a good mood that day. And if he would have said, oh, wait, let me go back and do some research and I'll get back with you tomorrow. The king might have had a bad day. But right away, he was prepared, and he said, boom, here it is. And the king said, oh, no problem. I'll pay for all of it. You go. How long are you going to be? Boom, there it was. Shotgun prayer. Let God Almighty, he's got it planned. But if you've got a kink in the umbilical cord, if you're out of the bucket, if you're not in fellowship with him, you got to do all that first. Keep that fellowship. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all kinds of prayer. All kinds. That is biblical. I'll throw that out. That's biblical. And that's why you got to know the Word of God. And supplication. Again, we've talked about supplication before. What you guys should remember, what is supplication? When you supplicate with God, what is that? Hey, help me out. Salma, do you remember what supplication was? Supplication. Do you ever supplicate with your parents? You do. Because have you ever have you ever told them what they what you needed? You ever told them what you would like to see happen in a situation? You know, yeah, yeah. She she's a supplicator, all right. And uh, 
Supplication is a word. It's a petition. It's saying, God, this is what I would like to see happen in this matter. God, this is what, this is what I've seen so far. This is, what, this is what I'd, where I'd like to see it go forward. God, this is, what I, this is my idea, God. And then you listen to God say, well, have you considered this? Have you considered this? When you're saying, God, this is not fair. God, this is not. And he brings up other things. You're like, oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry for being an idiot. You know, I'm just saying. Supplication is having an, a conversation with God. I talk to so many people and, and they're frazzled, they're upset, and, and it's like, well, let's pray. What do you want God to do in this? I don't know. I don't know. Well, ask Him. That's the beginning of supplication. God knows everything. Say, God, I don't even know where to go with this. His Holy Spirit takes it and starts lifting and bringing it back to you. And man, it's like, okay, what about this? And he's like, no, that'd be really stupid. Oh, no, that would probably be good for you, but that don't, won't accomplish what I want to have accomplished. And you start having a conversation with God Almighty, the one that knows everything, can do anything, and is everywhere. Who better to have a conversation with? And you let him speak to your heart. And you speak back to him. But who in this world has time for that? Come on, dude, I got five minutes to read a devotion. That's all I got for God. Well, that's all you're getting from God. You realize, again, back in the old days before they had these self-constrained schedules and self-imposed deadlines and everything, people would spend all night on their knees before God Almighty. People would spend days fasting and praying. Well, I'd have to take vacation for that. Well, how important is it for you? I'm just saying. What's the cost-benefit analysis of spending that kind of, job, that kind of time with God Almighty? No, I came to church. You're supposed to spend time with God. You're supposed to tell me. I'm supposed to walk out here with the answer and go. I'm telling you the answer, but I don't have the one that's personal for you. I'm telling you who does. And you spend time supplicating with him. Man, maybe fast from other stuff, social media and differently. Not saying, say, oh, I fasted from social media. No, no. It's, it's, every time you want to go to social media, go and spend time with God. Maybe every time you want a cigarette, go spend time with God. Maybe every time you want to drink or spend time with God, maybe every time you want to eat some of that more of that turkey right now. I'm just saying, whatever, whatever you do that you actually love even. Isn't that what fasting in reality is? Taking something that you love, something that you have natural triggers for, and every time you want that, say, God, I'm giving this up because I want to hear from you. It is that important. I am I'm crucifying my flesh. Not, it might not even be something bad. But God, man, I want, hearing from you right now, spending time with you is more important than any of these other things. So he says, praying all, all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. And this is what we're missing in this instant generation is supplication. Instead, you know who we supplicate with when it gets really, really bad? We see if our insurance company will pay for it to, us to go talk to a psychiatrist and go lay on a couch and talk to some secular person who knows nothing. And we lay there and we talk and they listen. And Gavin, do they have any answers? Because you're one of them. Not anymore, but you could be if you wanted. No, they don't have an answer. Their answer is, how many people can I bill so I can blah, blah, blah. Because they know the answer. And if they're a Christian, the answer is Christ. And they can't give them that. You don't need, I'm not saying you don't need somebody to talk to. I'm saying you got somebody to talk to, amen? 
And if you need someone to help you see it from God's perspective, we're going to get to that. That's where we pray with each other. We supplicate with each other to help each other see it from God's perspective. Instead of the world telling us what to do. Oh, hey, you know what? I don't think I have an answer. So, hey, here's a prescription for you. Oh, here's a couple prescriptions for you. Oh, that'll take care of you until you're done. Or at least your insurance is over. I'm sorry. And if I seem pretty cavalier or casual or sarcastic about it, whatever word I'm supposed to use, ridiculous about it, it's because I've seen it ruin people's lives when we have the solution right here. I ain't got time to do those. <laughs> you got time to be vegged out on drugs. Spend some time with God. So we're supposed to pray for ourselves, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication, pouring our heart out to God like a grocery list. This is what I want. This is what I need, God. This is it. Then he says, pray for others. And it's amazing that getting your mind on other people will sometimes be the remedy of healing for you getting your mind off yourself. We're supposed to pray for ourselves. But if all you do is pray for yourself, sometimes you get wrapped up in all of this. Oh, there was an illustration. I posted it on Facebook. Um, D. Martin Lloyd, jo Martin Lloyd, D. Martin Lloyd, Lloyd Jones, he's old school, you know, commentator and everything. He said something about that there was a society. You can go back and read it, and I'll just give you the generalization. But there was a society. Oh, it's a Spanish America. It was a Spanish war, whatever, uh, somewhere in Spain, where man, the psychiatrist and everybody, nobody could keep up with all the neurotic people being wrapped up with themselves, and they were there was neurosis, I think he called it, but they were neurotic. And then all of a sudden, a war came in, and a war made things worse for the country, for everybody. And guess what? All the neurotic people who are wrapped up in themselves, guess what they now started thinking about? They now had a bigger trauma than their own. The trauma was now, dude, my family, man, my country, my city. And they got their mind off of themselves and onto other people. And guess what? The problem of neurosis, all the neurotic people kind of shifted. It wasn't there anymore. Biblically speaking, if you love God, he causes you to love what? Others. That's how you can know, even if you're a pastor. If you don't want to love others, you're not loving God. And you got to get things right with God because when you love God, he causes you to love others. That's how you know you love God. And then the benefit comes back at you in that. And so he says, pray for yourself. Don't miss that. But don't only pray for yourself and don't only pray for others. He said he's adding. This is how he says we live in spiritual warfare. Pray for others or pray for yourself. And he says, pray for others. Look at uh, verse 18, uh, beginning of it or, or the next part of it. So this is interesting because you're not careful. You'll put this part with the previous part. But he said to that end, after you're done praying for yourself and supplicating for yourself, he says to that end. And he puts this all in one period, one sentence, part of the rest of the sentence. He says, keep alert. Dude, keep alert. Got to be awake. Be alert. Hey, uh, Mr. Tuck, your eagles today. Would you like him to stay alert? Yes, be alert. Dude, down, sit, right? If you're not alert, man, you get creamed. You get sidelined. 
So he says, be alert. So again, we could take this and say, oh, I'm supposed to be alert for me. But that's not what this is talking about. Look at this. And I've got to live this because many of you were alert for me and you prayed for me. Because when you're only just alert for yourself, man, other people are going down too. And you're like, well, if nobody cares about me, I'm just going to have to care about blah, blah, blah. Look at this. To this end, keep alert with all perseverance. I mean, alert with perseverance, dude. You're paying attention, aren't you? Alert with perseverance. It's like last year at the boat ramp one time, man. Y'all, you, I think you were with me. And no, it was Charlie that was with me on this one. But man, we had wind blowing out of man, crossway. I had a current blowing this way. And I'm like, Charlie, stay still or you're going to make the boat like crash into the thing. I don't need your help. I told you that too. Right. But all right. But I tell everybody that on my boat, the best thing you can do is to stay still. And I will, if I need you, I'll ask you to help me. But dude, man, current, everything, everything about me is trying to pick the right time to come in at the right angle to be able to turn the boat so that it goes in and it can just nice and easily go in there. But if there's people distract, if I allow people to distract me, if I get distracted myself, if I'm paying, if I'm just casually doing it, I'm going to end up on one of those Facebook pages, the Miami Boat Club. You ever see those, Terry? Dude, where they show, they make fun of people. They sit at the boat ramps and literally they take pictures and people don't even know they're in there like, oh, I'm famous now. (laughs) I don't want to be in that page, but if I don't want to be in that page when I'm docking the boat, and how many of y'all have boats and you know about docking boats? And you know that's a crucial time, right? You know, it can be, because there's even t-shirts that say, forgive me for what I said while I was docking the boat, right? So it's not just me, I'm just saying. I got to be alert. I got to be in, in perseverance. I cannot, oh, I got it, and then have a conversation. No, I am alert till the job is done. So look what he's saying. This is our spiritual life. While in this bucket, here's something you can do. While you've been praying for yourself and all that, which you're supposed to, man. He says, man, did that end? Keep alert and perseverance, making supplication for who? Hey, Ethan, read me that last three words. Making supplication for who? All the saints. So who's he talking about? Not you. He's talking about others. So here's your life now. Here's your life now. You're looking, you're praying, you're prayed up. You've got constant, constant communication with God, praying the Spirit. Now, you are alert with all perseverance. It doesn't say, when he says all perseverance, oh, be alert, and if you happen to notice somebody in trouble, go help them out. Is that what that says? No, what's your job? Dude, and you're looking for people that God would put you in their path to help. Do you see that? Do you think that would cure all you neurotic people i don't know about you guys i'm just saying in other churches you know (laughs) dude wouldn't that cure that neurosis man if you're bit how many things can you think at at once marley yeah so man when you got time with god and you're filled up with god you know you love god because he calls you to love others and if you're looking for others while you're in this bucket dude it's not like oh i'm just fighting off things you're looking to help others To that end, keep alert with all perseverance. How much perseverance, Ethan? All of it. So, dude, there ain't nothing left. Oh, here's a little more perseverance. I'll use that now. No, all of it. Your life is dedicated for others because yours is taken care of. Making supplication for all the saints. Man, 
praying on their behalf. What do you need? What do you need? What do you need? How can I help you? Which may cause them then in turn to go pray for themselves to figure out what they need. Because you know what? When people were like coming to me like, God, what do you need, dude? You're just like whacked. You're not even like normal anymore. And I'm like, well, it wasn't really normal, but you're not even the normal you used to not be normal. And it's like, you know, what do you need? I'm like, dude, I don't know. I'm just whipped. I'm tired. I had to go to God and figure out what I needed. It caused me to have to go to God because other people were alert to come to me and say, man, I've been praying for you. I don't know what's wrong. I don't know what's up. But man, I've been praying for you. I had to come and figure it out. They were alert and they were looking. You see what it does for the kingdom? What greater thing can any one believer do for another believer than to pray? Brad, is there anything you can do better than pray for somebody to pray for me? No, just stay out of my way when I'm docking the boat, bro. I'm just, no, I'm not so here. But yeah, pray for me, man. Pray, pray for others, but look for ways and supplicate. Go to God for them, but you can't supplicate until you know what they need. So look at this. So you pray for yourself. You pray for others. And then look at this. How can you pray for others if they don't tell you what they need? <clears throat> so look at Apostle Paul. This is how he ends the book of Ephesians right here. He says, pray for me. So he starts out by saying, dude, pray for yourself. Pray for others. And he said, pray for me. And I'm going to tell you how to pray for me. All right. And often it's hard to tell people to pray for us, right? Because number one, if we need somebody praying, I'm, I'm not talking about, well, pray this business deal goes down or pray that... Pray that my daughter, you know, you know, does this. Pray for my son. Pray for, you know, I'm talking about me. Because I, Brandon, if I'm saying pray for me, what do I have to admit? Woo, admits I got something. But I, no, I'm your pastor. I don't have nothing wrong with me. No, dude. How am I going to help you if you think? No, no. And that's any of us. Who likes to admit? Now, I know there's some of y'all, <laughs> but I'm just saying, most people don't like to admit they got something wrong. There are some Eeyores in this world, right? And if you're an Eeyore, God made you that way. Use it the way he wants you to use it. But literally, how many of y'all like to admit, dude, I'm helpless. I got something going on, man. It isn't right. It's hard. It's humbling. Especially when you're in a leadership position and people are looking to you for help. Remember the one thing Jesus said? Dude, get the beam out of your own eye before you come trying to get the splinter out of mine. Here I am, Bob. I got a telephone pole in my eye, and I'm like, hey, Bob, let me do surgery on your eye. It's like, no, dude, get that out of your eye first, and then you can maybe see, and I might think about it. I'll be praying about it. So again, there's so many thoughts that go through your head with any of us. Your husband, you get to talk to your wife, and like, Golly, I'm just cashing in my leadership card here. It's already been punched a bunch of times. Now if I admit I got flaws, I admit this. Go to your... Again, we live in this prideful world where this is hard. Apostle Paul says this, and look what he does say. And then later he goes on, and we end with this part. He said, and also pray for me, that words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Hey, where was Apostle Paul at this point? In prison. And how many of y'all would love, we should do this one day, if we could just get it, maybe borrow it from like, I don't know, I don't even want to know who has this, but 
Dude, he had shackles on his, his legs. Well, what, would, what would be the result of having shackles on your legs? If you had shackles on your legs for this whole service that lasts two hours, some of y'all are going, two hours? It's only 15 more minutes. Come on. <laughs> but <laughs> what would happen? You would be mobilized. How many of y'all would be thinking about nothing but getting the shackles off because you're OCD and you're like, these are in my way? <laughs> How many of y'all be chafing by now? <laughs> I'm just saying. Have blisters by now. How many would be like, this is, uh, you know what, God, all right, I, I, I signed up, but this is not what I signed up for. All these things, Apostle Paul could have been praying for his comfort. He's in prison. He's shackled. And all he did was preach the gospel. But you know what he saw it as? An opportunity. In fact, in Philippians later, he said, because of my bonds and my suffering, everybody in this prison has heard the gospel. And I'm fixing to get to share it with the head dude <laughs> that I'm going to go before. He saw life from God's perspective. So he saw the main purpose of what his job was. And it kind of made a lot of the other stuff a little more less significant in there. And that's kind of what's got to happen. In other words, he's saying, help me keep the main thing the main thing. And the main thing is Jesus Christ. God's way more concerned about your character and making you more like him than he is about your comfort. Maybe that comfort is there to shape the character. And we got to believe that he's in charge and he's got us there. Don't miss what he has us there for. So the main point, dude, I got to share the gospel. Somehow you're going to use this God Almighty for me to be able to tell people about Christ so they can escape an eternal hell and have a home in heaven, which I already have. And I ain't going to be here that much longer. So this little bit of discomfort I have, well, you don't know my discomfort. No, it's little. You know how I know your dis. How many of y'all got discomfort? Right now, you're like, it, 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 really, if you wanted to stand up because your rear end fell asleep already, go ahead, just do it. I won't make fun of you. I'm just saying, but you know how I know your discomfort is little? Because the word of God tells me it is. Romans chapter 8 again. He said, we know, this, this suffering of this life is nothing compared to the glory that will be revealed later. Man, that's why you go in the Word of God. That's why you pray and say, God, but dude, <laughs> you know, give me, some, give me some spiritual gold bond. It's itching. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> you talk to God and you let Him comfort you. But we do that through what? Sure. Through prayer. He said, pray for me. That, and of all the things He could have said, pray that they get the air conditioning right. Oh, wait, they didn't probably have that in those prisons, did they? Pray that I could get some clean water. Pray that I get different kind of... Pray that these guys before they chained themselves to me, would take a bath. <laughs> Can you, how many of y'all hate the smell of body odor? Anybody here? Terry, could you imagine being chained to four Roman soldiers on 12-hour shifts? <laughs> nice. So you can identify with Christ, with, with Paul's suffering in that. Yeah. Man, he said, and for me also, that the words may be given to me and open in my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. If we, can, if you can, we can pray for each other as believers that we'll stay focused on what God really is doing in our lives, then maybe some of the other stuff is not so bad. And we know that's true because of the word of God. But again, we can only see that perspective. We're praying. Look what else he says. He says, for which I'm an ambassador in chains. <laughs> you know, some of the ambassadors, they would wear all kinds of bling and stuff, man. They'd walk around, look at the kingdom I'm with, man. I got diamonds, gold. Paul's ambassadorship included chains 
of bondage. And he was proud, and he wouldn't rather have any other because he knew God had to chain him down to do what God wanted him to do right now. Whew, that can speak. Sometimes God's got to knock us down so we can hear what he wants us to do, so that we can slow down enough to do what he wants us to do. Man, that's why I praise God. Not this is why Milton died or whatever, but I, I asked you the week before Milton died, man, when I talked to him and Milton was, I said, Milton, would you pray for people? You got nothing better to do while you're laying there in that bed dying than to pray for people. And he just got excitement and you guys gave him the last season of his life an opportunity to bring all of your prayer requests to the throne of God. And y'all got time to do that? Hey, 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 Ann, I want you to just like quit work. She's like, okay. I'm like, y'all quit work, stay home, stay in bed, don't think of anything else, and do nothing but pray for people right here. You would love, but you, oh yeah, for about 10 minutes, and then you got to go, and then another 10 minutes, yeah, 10 minutes at a time. Maybe 15, 20, 30, 40, but I'm just saying, man, whatever situation God's got you in, dude, figure out what he wants to do in it. And that's what Paul did. It's related to the kingdom. Because your ticket is already punched, y'all. I declare it boldly. May, get, pray that as an ambassador in change, I'll declare this gospel boldly. I'm fixing to talk to the most important person in the Roman kingdom soon. Pray that I say it boldly as I ought to speak. He goes on, so that you guys may know how I am doing. I'm going to send you this guy. Everybody say his name. How do y'all say his name? Yeah, some, I, I actually looked up the Greek. I, there's like an audible thing, and I cannot even make my tongue do what it said. But I'm going to call him Tychicus. A dude we can't even pronounce his name is one of the most important people in the Apostle Paul's life. Man, isn't that cool? So maybe nobody knows your name. Nobody knows who you are, but you may be the most important person in somebody God is using mightily. Spurgeon. Back in the day, man, he preached and people got saved. And there was a little church down the street that Noah was going to. One time they asked the pastor, like, don't you get discouraged. Everybody's going to his church. And he said, no, my job's not to do that. My job is to pray that people go to Spurgeon's church and hear the gospel. Do you understand Billy Graham when he got started? I don't know how long it all went for. He didn't write his own messages. Some obscure little preacher wrote his messages and God took Billy Graham and he broadcast them and thousands upon thousands of people got saved. Man, whatever your job is, that's what God has put. He has chosen for you and there's no more important thing for you to do than what he's chosen for you to do. So that you may also know, here said, I got Tychicus. Here's a dude. How many of y'all ever heard of Tychicus? How many of y'all gave, named your kid Tychicus? Anybody? You know, how many are going to name him that now? <laughs> you know, we've been talking about umbilical cord. But anyways, Tychicus, look at this. The beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, he'll tell you everything. He's been with me. He's the dude that's going to deliver this letter. He's delivered other letters. This was my missionary journey partner. How many of y'all knew Tychicus was Paul's missionary journey partner? Yeah, that's good, because you study it and you teach it, right? Yeah. Oh, there you go. All right, yeah. So, uh, But most people don't know that. But Paul knew it, and God knew it. So look at this. He goes on. Um, uh, go, there we go. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are. 
if you don't know how we're doing, you don't know how to pray for us. Yeah, pray, pray that I can preach boldly and everything, but now I'm going to give you some details so you can be more specific in knowing how it is. You've got to tell people how it's going. How many of y'all are typical Americans like, oh, how's it going? Oh, it's going good. <laughs> right? Oh, it's going awesome. How many of y'all love somebody to, how's it going? And then they tell you a whole book. <laughs> it just doesn't work. We live in this society, but we got to have intimacy with each other. We need that. That's what we've been doing playing disc golf, right, guys? Dude, we got a disc golf group. Raise your hand, my little disc golf. Well, there, you guys are hardcore right here, man. And we got some other folks, yep, yep, playing disc golf back here. Yeah, Sammy, you're in it now, too, and uh, over here. Man, that's what we do. We, talk, we play disc golf, but we're talking to each other about what's going on. It's pretty cool. Because you know what we realized? A lot of people don't have... Oh, Benjamin, there you are, man. Benjamin even played with shoes on the other day because there were saspers. No. <laughs> but... What we've realized in communicating and having fellowship with each other is we realize that's not a common thing. Most of us don't have that. And we sure don't have it in church, but I praise God. That's why we spend the whole first part of our service doing that here. And if people don't like it, they don't come back. But the people that come back like it, and they keep doing it, and we have an intimate relationship with each other. And that's cool. That's what God's told us to do. And he said, man, I sent them to you for this very reason that you may know who we are and that you may, and, and we may, and he may encourage your hearts as to what, what's going on. It's not all like bad. There's some good stuff going on. He can encourage it. And so he, now he ends and he says, peace be to the brothers and love with faith. That's how he started. You have, you know, uh, faith, grace, love, and peace. It's all working together. Peace be to the brothers. Brothers, how are they related? Through Christ. Who said that, man? Yeah, they're related through Christ. So you're my brother. You're my sister. Even though you're their daughter, you're my sister. Isn't that weird? I'm just saying. We're, we're related through being born again with Christ. We have the same heavenly Father. And, and so peace is only going to happen when you have the Prince of Peace. And when you stay walking in your wealth, that's when you have that peace. And love, agape love, comes through faith. Otherwise, it's going to end up being eros love like the world has. I'm going to love you as long as you're beneficial to me. But you know what agape love gives you the ability to do? Love people that aren't very loving. Love people that, that can't love you back. You just have the ability to love. And look what he says again. And from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, this can't be the end. Oh, no, here it is. Here's the last verse. Grace be with all, look at this last verse. I don't want you to miss the last verse in Ephesians. This is crucial. Grace be with, with everyone. Is that what he says? No. He says, all who love our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so is that where it ends? Grace be to everyone who says they love the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at, no, look at this end. With love incorruptible. Love that is sincere. So he says grace, people who are going to experience grace are the people who are going to love Jesus sincerely. Now I'll tell you this, and this is going to be it for Ephesians, y'all. <laughs> Can you believe it's only taken, I don't know, how many years, how many months, who knows, and how many stops and starts, but every one of them been by the Holy Spirit. But look at this. He says grace, that's the desire and ability to do what God wants you to do. That comes from loving Jesus Christ 
sincerely is a better translation. It's the same Greek word, love incorruptible, but sincerely. If you, if you didn't get this, you might even think that incorruptible love was talking about God's incorruptible love. No, it's you loving God sincerely. Here's this Greek word sincere, and I'm done. Uh, unless I broke something. But here, here's what the Greek word sincere means. Some of y'all, I, I, I share this a lot. I love this word. A potter, if that was going to be your job, you'd go out and buy a field. And that was pretty expensive. Most people in the Roman government, you know, they were slaves in that economy and everything. So if you, had, you could go be a potter and buy your field, that was a great investment. And so potter, man, he had to protect his investment. It was a clay-type field, and he would dig, and he would get some clay, and he would make it into some sort of pot, some sort of bowl, some sort of something. And then what would he do next with it? Bake it, yeah. He would bake it. And when he baked it, what might happen? It might crack. Uh, how many of y'all buy cracked pots? <laughs> Only if you're an artist and you're going to fill them with gold filigree and make them more beautiful. No, who wants a cracked pot? <laughs> you're like, well, we came to hear you today. No, no, no you came to hear God. <laughs> you came to hear God. Well, listen, man, nobody wants a cracked pot. So what happened to this guy's investment, dude? This is just as bad as somebody investing in something else and it falling through. No longer is this clay worth anything. It's baked. You can't make, break it up and rebake it and reshape it. It's cracked. So it probably should be thrown away. But you know what unscrupulous potters would do? Dude, this is crazy. I don't imagine anybody in our world ever doing anything like this. Aren't you glad you don't live in this, that day and age? They would take it and they would fill it with wax. They would fill it with wax, and then they would paint it. And guess what? When they brought it to market, dude, it looked good. Can you imagine Gigi? It's so good seeing you, Gigi, <laughs> my Canadian preacher friend. <laughs> and, and, and so they would take that cracked pot, they would fill it with wax, and they would paint it. And then here you are, dum dee dum dee dum I'm going to get some soup bowls. <laughs> I'm going to make some soup, man. I'm going to get some soup bowls, and you go buy it. And you bring it home, and you got your party, dinner party out there, and you get ready to serve it, Mary, at Captain Mary, and then all of a sudden, man, you pour soup in it. What's going to happen? Oh, the wax melts out of the crack. How would you feel? What's one word you would use, begins with D and ends with appointment, disappointment. What's a word you would feel? How would you feel about that pot? Disappointed. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Did they record your encounter in Korea, <laughs> although they did, but we probably won't get it, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, we would be ticked off. We'd be upset. We'd be disappointed. We'd feel ripped off. Dude, me, I'd be sending that bowl back to Amazon with, with a bad review. I'm just saying, <laughs> but yeah, so it's a disappointing thing when something isn't what it appears to be. So what scrupulous buyers would now do is they would go to the market and they would get a bowl and then they would hold the bowl up to the light. They'd hold it up to the light. And if it had wax in it, then they, it would reveal the void. It would show the wax and they would not buy it if they were wise, unless they wanted a cracked pot. And some of y'all probably do. But I'm just saying, they would hold it up. And if they had wax in it, they'd put it down. And then they'd grab another one. And if they got one that didn't have wax in it, it was without wax. You're like, duh. <laughs> it was without wax. And that's what, where they get the word sincere. When it's held up to the light, it is what it appears to be.
It's true. And that's what he's saying. The grace, grace be with all of you who are trying to stay in this bucket. Every time you realize you're out of God's might, you're jumping back in. You realize the wealth you have in Christ, and it's eternal. You're trying to walk in it, and every time you find yourself not walking, you're getting back in. Anytime you find a leg out, you're getting back in. You're staying in. You're using the weapons of warfare, knowing he's making you more like him, and he's getting glory out of it. He said, that's what sincere is. You appear to be a Christian, and when held up to the light, you truly are. You're fighting to look more like Christ, not in your own power, but in his power, being strong in the power of his might. You're held up to the light, and there you are. And if you're not, you get back in the bucket so you can be. He said, that's the person who's going to constantly have the desire and ability to do what God wants them to do. There's your book of Ephesians, y'all. So man, know how wealthy you are. Walk in that wealth. Don't get torn up by the warfare. Nothing's coming in your life except by God's design is to make you more like him and give him glory. And if you're sincere about this journey, you'll experience what he's got to experience here. Hang in there. Enjoy the ride. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I pray that if there's somebody here today that's never given their life to Christ, they're not positive that when they die, they're going to heaven. Uh, I pray they can know, they will know that they can be positive that when they die, they're going to heaven. Because we come in this world as sinners, and the wages of sin is eternal separation from God Almighty, eternal separation. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus Christ came on this earth as 100% God and 100% man and was tempted in all ways like we were tempted. In fact, worse than probably any of us have ever been tempted, but he never sinned. And when he died a death he didn't deserve, he did it because he knew he had to do it to be our substitute. And you, Father, said that anyone who will put their faith and trust, anyone who will surrender everything they know about themselves, anything, everything they know about him, Father, that they can have what Christ did on the cross applied to their life. Father, I pray that you would give grace to someone to have faith to believe that and help them realize that if they believe this, before you give them grace and faith, it's foolishness. But if for some reason right now they're feeling that this is true, they're believing this is true, help them realize it's your Holy Spirit like the wind. Like you told Nicodemus, you don't know when the wind's coming. You don't know when it's leaving, but you know when it's there. And if the wind, the Holy Spirit is there, giving them that desire, Father, I pray right now, no ifs, ands, or buts, no questions. They would just fully surrender themselves to the one who paid the price for their sins and be connected to God Almighty, the one who knows everything, can do anything, and is everywhere and has prepared a perfect eternal place for us to spend the rest of our lives with him. Father, I pray you'd save somebody today. Father, for those of us uh, that know we're saved, I pray, Father, that uh, we would realize the wealth we have instead of looking at the world's wealth. Father, everything the world has to offer is like a monopoly game. Man, in monopoly, when you've got all the property, 
all the deeds, all the money, because you'll eventually have it all. Man, you're rich. You're powerful until that game is over. And then all that money and those deeds could be bought at goodwill for a couple of bucks. Father, help everyone here to see that the riches of this world is nothing more than a monopoly game. And if you want us to have those, that's awesome. And we use them for your glory and praise you for it. But Father, help us keep the main thing the main thing and the main thing is you. Help us realize the true wealth we have. Help us, Father, to walk in that wealth. Even go back and read Ephesians and what it means to walk in the wealth. And help us to understand warfare is going to be there. (laughs) Warfare is brutal. But it's there for your glory and our good to make us more like you. And for other people to see and be encouraged so they can make it through the battles and give you glory and be more like you. So Father, um, I pray that our walks with you would be sincere. That maybe when we're cracked and we are weak, when we are beat up, the Father at that time that we would come to you. We come to our, our brothers and sisters in Christ and humble ourselves and ask them to pray for us. And allow people to minister to us because when one part of the body's hurt the whole body is hurt so father i pray that you would use this message in a mighty way so i'm gonna do something with heads bowed and eyes closed still y'all hang tight um god put this on my heart last night and i wasn't gonna do it again until he put it in my heart today but we haven't done this in a while it's called prayer chair and i got a couple chairs up here and um if you feel like you would like somebody to come and pray for you you don't have to say a word. You just come up here and sit in one of these chairs. And by doing that, you're just letting somebody know, I would love for anyone to come pray for me. And if you're sitting there and you see someone in one of these chairs, I want to encourage you to come up and pray for them. You don't need to pray out loud. I'd rather you probably didn't. It'd get confusing. Just pray over them. And when you're done praying over them, go back to your seat or maybe take one of these seats. But it's a beautiful thing if you've never had a bunch of people praying over you. It's an awesome thing. To have happen. So I got four seats up here. I don't know if there's going to be four people. I don't know if there'll be 40 people. I have no idea, but God told me to put these seats out. So if you would right now, you feel like you'd like to sit in one of these chairs and have some of your brothers and sisters in Christ pray over you, come sit. Here's your invitation. You see someone sitting in the chair. You don't even have to know why they're there. Come and pray for them. We pray for ourselves, we pray for others. And we ask people to pray for us. So I got some people sitting in chairs and want to invite you again. You don't have to, I don't even want you to say anything. Just come around them and pray silently. Pray over them. I got to tell you, it's one of the most encouraging things believers can do for each other. One of the most intimate things we can do. And if when another seat comes empty if you want to sit down in that go for it pray for yourself pray for others and ask them to pray for you
if later they want to tell you and talked about it, then they can. Nobody has to talk about any of it other than just praying for each other right now. I want to encourage you to do so. Get up and go back to your seat. And if there's a seat open and someone else would like to pray, we'll be prayed for. Not trying to orchestrate anything, but if God's putting on your heart to be prayed for, a couple seats are open. Father, again, I'm coming to you in the name of Jesus, and I'm grateful that we have that sacrifice that Jesus performed on the cross that gives us instant access to you. And Ephesians told us we can come boldly to the throne because of that. We're grateful for that. And uh, Father, I pray we would never take it for granted, but see how special that is. As the Old Testament priest um, could come into the Holy Holies, but once a year, but when Christ, you died and finished the work that God the Father gave you, the, t- the, the veil on the tabernacle or the temple was ripped from the top to the bottom, giving us access to the Holy of Holies. May we never take that for granted. May we use it even more powerfully than the Apostle Paul has shown us. And Father, um, we're grateful for the privilege of prayer and the power of prayer and the peace that comes with prayer. So Father, I pray that we would continue to be a praying people. And I pray for these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, you. All right.